1: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts
0: or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America
1: Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
0: As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Giel Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Giel Asselin.
1: Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, bonsoir à ceux qui depuis un pays francophone. It's a pleasure to be here today, uh, by myself, so there's no guest, unfortunately. Um, Once in a while is good. I wanted to thank Lisa again for joining us last week. I think it was, um, it's a show that gave me a lot of energy for the week, Um, you know, instead of using an adjective like would be whatever. I don't know what happened this week, but it happened. And um a lot of things here and there. I mean uh, almost going from wonder to wonder and a lot of good connections with my spiritual guides. A discussion with Master Joal on Friday, uh, a Skype one, so it's a bit different. But even, you know, inner connection with um so many folks and, and getting so many so much feedback about about small things, but um a very nice and and, and gentle feeling um, that I'm sharing with you happily, and uh, I hope it happens to you as well on a regular basis, and you can cruise in a sense on that feeling of being connected, uh, which really dovetails very nicely with this notion and, and concept of inner fortitude. You know, which is inner is the is the backbone. It's within. It's it's been. Uh, my my dada, as the French say, my my favorite uh, theme in a sense of obviously going within, but tapping what's within, that inner fortitude, that inner guidance. Even this morning, um, about a couple hours ago, I got two posts, uh, one on Facebook from my friend Judy Kuzel, uh, two two young young women who were on the show last year, Judy Kuzel and, and Lyndon Thorpe, and they were going in the same direction, you know. The message was tap your inner guidance. Trust what's within. Go for the inner fortitude. And I won't go too much into the details of what they said, but uh, especially Lyndon um, was reflecting on the, the notions of followers, followers and leaders. And uh, I thought what I'm going to read it to right away, because I thought it was very much... Um, As we say in English, right on the money, uh, on the spiritual money, if you want. But um, it's a beautiful paragraph. Uh, I'm gonna, again, read read just what's a little bit. It says, followers are by their very existence separated from the followed one. They are the victims of a small act of violence which places them at a disadvantage, rendering them passive to superior instruction. This is not the Buddha's way, not the middle way. In adulating even a Buddha, we are being excessive, servile, insincere, because we turn away from our own Buddha nature, our Buddhahood, whatever you want to call it. By maintaining an even breath and softening our gaze on what is not real, we become one again in one heart. We become one with the master because we are the master. And I've been hearing this kind of you know words and and um I can't find uh the word that I'm looking for. It's okay. But you understand my 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 purpose here. That's really, you know, it it's it sugarcoats in a sense or it adds to what I've been saying for about a year now on this show. That it's important to go within and stay within and, and adulate in a sense. I don't know if the word is good, but the goal that we have within the The Buddha nature, the Christ consciousness, or whatever you call it, the God within, the diamond, I think it's really essential, and and, um, I'm getting the message even more and more for myself. That's where the truth lies. Uh, Again, there are seven plus billion people on earth, and each has his own truth, and that's where it lies, deep down within. And... um, I can't say it, you know enough and um I'm going to stop here for now but I was feeling very, very excited this morning when I saw that you know, again something coming in um mystically in a sense and uh Dove telling so nicely what I was going to talk about so I wanted to reflect a tiny little bit um about the show last week um I listened to it and I was grateful for all the information that uh, Lisa gave us, especially about a walking experience. Um, I'm not quite familiar with that, yet I know people who went through a, a walk-out and walk-in um, experience. And uh, as she said, you know, she shared very generously what the details. Um, in order, in a sense, to demystify, demystify the, the experience, there's nothing, uh, it may sound a little strange, for some but um, there's really nothing unusual because that's the way we the soul you know gets into the body Uh, it's a walk-in experience as well except that uh, you know I don't know exactly when it happens in the first few seconds or the first few minutes when we are born we can't really feel it but the soul like what Lisa said about the son that walked in into her own body on August 8th of 2008 the soul had been around, I mean, there has been a, a, a preparatory um, time when, um, I don't know who was coaching who, but uh, who was coaching whom, but uh, the soul was making an entry, and even though it was pretty abrupt at the time when she did come into the, the body, I think there was a a good amount of, of preparation taking place, and... Um, Again, it's not something that happened by accident. I don't I don't think so. And I know about four or five people who are walked in. Uh and, and um I'm in touch with some of them on a regular basis, mostly through uh, virtually through email or, or Facebook. And um and uh sorry, I keep hearing a beep here. And um And what I'm also very curious about is the level of vibration between the old soul and the new soul. And uh, in one case, one person, I think she ascended about about 14 months ago, and I was in touch with the the previous soul, and we had a, a good connection, and it's fairly possible that I met this person in a previous life, I don't know. In one life, she had been the Marquis de Lafayette, um I'm sure many of you, if you know u s history know about the Marquis de Lafayette who came to support uh the u s troops and fought against uh the British during the independence war and um I could tell there was something where we were very much connected, and then after that she ascended or she you know she left the body and another soul came in, and the same soul kept uh the blog that was there in the first place, and you could tell that. You know, you could tell and it goes back to this idea of what I call resonance or possibly connected to fortitude, but you can assess, you know, if you listen very clearly about the level of vibration the person who is writing or the person who is channeling, if she is channeling. And I think it's very important for all of us to to reach to the level of vibration, again in a very egalitarian way, putting aside this notion of being follower or teachers and whatever getting to that you know level of vibration when we feel that we are being nourished but what we read or what we receive and i think it's a very it's a very important skill to be able to in terms of people we deal with but also in terms of readings because we tend to be on a you know it's a one-way communication and uh we have to make sure that we get the best nourishments possible and um, I've been going from blog to blog, and there's new blogs that I follow these days and all the ones that I don't follow anymore. I used to follow a person, a very uh, a healer, which also I got a session with her called Anna Makaba, a very gifted person who came, I believe, from Eastern Europe. And I don't anymore, and it's just the way it is. I think there's nothing... Um, there's nothing sad about it. We all move on in one way or another. You know, change is the norm. Uh, change uh, and, and growth, I would say. And, um, and that's fine. And so my, my curiosity is, uh, you know, about the level of evolution or the level of vibration of the new soul coming in. And there's two people I'm in touch with that uh, I can't really tell because I wasn't quite aware of the previous soul. Uh, the other person I mentioned, the, the blog, um, I can, to some extent. And then the fourth person that comes to mind also is someone I worked with. Um, her name is Aruna, and she's a, an awakening coach in, in Japan. And uh, I worked with her for about two months uh, towards the end of 2013. And we had some good times, some good sessions together, and we were able even to meet in Tokyo a couple months later. And she's wrote a book, um, something to do with a master as well. And uh, in it, she said that in, in the 80s, she had a, a soul exchange. Uh, I don't know what the, the terms or the words were at the time. Maybe they were not talking about walk in and walk out. Um, but she mentioned very briefly about that soul exchange taking place uh, in a hotel somewhere in Japan. She's, been very, she's American, but she's very... Um, connected to japan and she's here right uh, she's there right now and i think she spent uh, i would say at least a good uh, 30 years in japan and uh, that's where she sees her, her purpose and mission and so again I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar with this concept of walk in and walk out i'm just trying to um, you know to learn a bit more about it because from what i understand and from what i read lately it's going to happen more and more frequently in a, in a private conversation, uh, Lisa said, you know, it's not a very common uh, process. And and I would agree. And yet, you know, again, from what I understand, there's many souls that are out there waiting to come and support us in, in our transition to um, a higher level of vibrations as a, as a planet, as humanity. And... Um, and there's not enough babies being born in a sense and um i believe that those souls will come um, when the time is ripe uh when whenever or uh, however they can come but definitely definitely walking in is a is a possible way and so we may i don't know we may see changes in people around us and and start wondering what's going on so we'll see it's just i'm not a seer i can't see into the future but um this process makes make sense to me, it makes spiritual sense in terms of um, the way I kind of comprehend the evolution of our planet, our civilization in a sense. One more thing also I wanted to mention is um, one of the listeners in, in Germany, his name is Gerhard, um, I think he listens to the show halfway live and halfway on demand, and I. Uh, he was really blown away by this concept. I don't think he knew about it. Uh, we're in touch on Facebook, obviously, and um, he shared his impression. Uh, it's part of the invitation if you want to go back and have a look at our conversation. And uh, it stirred a lot of a lot of energy in him. And um, again, it's something I want to talk in the near future. This this idea of something resonating within us, something creating. Um, bubbles something you know i use the word tickle but um you know you know there's a connection there you know there's something that's related to who you are and in garrott's case uh, he was feeling the energy when he listened to lisa sharing her experience and then he realized that something had happened to him at the age of one when he was in the hospital and uh I think he remembered what happened. He was in the hospital for quite a long time. He was uh, suffering from tuberculosis at the time. And um, and something happened. Uh, I don't know exactly what. You know, it's very difficult to remember the quote-unquote symptoms uh, when you were so young, at the age of one. But something happened, and he believed that, you know, um, a walk-in took the place of his uh, previous soul, and at this age, I think I think Lisa said I don't know if she said it publicly or just to me on email. But before the age of twelve, it doesn't really make a, a difference because the soul the, the soul hasn't evolved as much. So it's like a, a sense um, a new birth, uh, a soul, uh, uh, a younger soul replacing the old one before the age of twelve. I think it's much more significant uh, when it happens in, in adulthood. And the twenties, thirties, and and um, and um, the question I have also, which is I'm very curious about, is how much of the um, of the old, the new soul remembers. And I think uh, Lisa touched a bit upon that. But um, um, you know, um, maybe just like you, I'm very uh, curious about the process and. Uh, And I may be getting some more information in the future, I don't know, I'm not doing any kind of research about this, but uh, the more I can collect, um, the more I listen. And in relation to that also, I I wanted to mention something that happened to me um, when I was young, it's something that I can always remember. It felt very spiritual at the time, it wasn't so much of a shift, or so much of a soul exchange or whatever. Uh, walk in or walk out but um, when I was young maybe the age of 7 or 8 I was looking and playing in my parents' bedroom and in front of the, my parents had a big uh, big mirror in their room and the thought came to my to my mind at such a young age that I was meant to be born in that family it wasn't an accident and uh, it's interesting because i fairly different my father passed away 10-11 years ago My mother is still alive, and I have one brother, but I feel very different, you know, in terms of my, maybe, spiritual life. I seem to be the most spiritual out of the four people, but somehow, you know, there was a reason. There was already a a knowing, a gnosis, in a sense, a gnosis, that I I was born in this family for a reason. And uh, I talked about my childhood about a year ago in the show, so I'm not going to get into the details about unbal- how unbalanced my family was. And what happened, I think it's uh, it's beyond the point, but it's, you call it karma, you call it something else. I don't think it really matters, but um, it seems like to me there was a destiny, you know. There was a mission, and I had to go through that journey with that family, uh, a family that I you know geographically left a bit my father is no longer around my mother and brother live in france so i don't see them on a regular basis i can see as i mentioned earlier my brother evolving in a in a good and positive direction and my mother going down the hill i mean she's um she's suffering from dementia and um which we call senility in France. I don't think there's a word. Dementia means you're crazy in France. It's not crazy, but it's very interesting the way that the mind tricks you. Um, you know, she thinks she's living in the house that she left four years ago. And uh, when I was talking to her last week, they called me about once a week when my brother is around because I think on her own she wouldn't be able to call me anymore, any longer. But when she calls, you know, she, she's in a retirement home, she's well taken care of. And she says to me, We're going back to Klamar, which is the place where she lived most of her life. And that's the place where I was born and grew up with my brother. And in her mind, she's going back to um to that place. And um it's again, it's very interesting. It's a bit mind-boggling, to be honest, when what the mind does to us and the kind of tricks uh it throws at us. At the same time, she lives in a different kind of reality, and it, gets, it's a, it seems to be a good reality, even though it's not a real reality. Um, it makes her, you know, alive um, psychologically speaking. At least, I mean, she has difficulty walking now, so she's uh, she's very limited in her movements. But um, at least psychologically, she she travels and she travels back. You know, many others would like to travel forward. When you're old, I think it's a very different kind of, uh, of a blessing. But I'm certainly grateful that um, she's well taken care of and she's, um, she's alive in her own way. And, uh, and, um, and again, I've been um, very grateful for being born in this family, but um, there was a time when obviously I flew out of the nest and um, I never returned. So thank you very much. I will uh, see you soon.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. surprise you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live, wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
1: Hello again, this is Jill. Thank you very much for listening this afternoon or this evening. It's my pleasure to be again, to be here again. And I was talking um a little bit more about the, the walk-in and the walk out experience uh that Lisa shared with us um last week. And so this will be um it for now. I wanted to say a few more words um again about this, this concept of listening within, and I think it's it's really the golden way, the golden path to build more inner fortitude. You know, you listen within, and things come. There's a real message from wherever it comes. I guess it's hard to say. Um, in my case, I've been making connections with my guardian angels, and I think one of them, especially, I think it's Michael, Archangel Michael, has been much more, much more present. And uh, I'm sure he's been present all along in many of my lives. But it's just that I couldn't hear or couldn't heed the signs. And they have been more, again, more pressing, more, more present in the past few weeks. And one experience that happened, I wanted to mention it to you, was very interesting. It was around right before Thanksgiving, so in November of last year. And I went, for the first time, I went to a, a sort of an experience called past life regression. When you're supposed to learn about your past lives, and uh, I was with a, an hypnotherapist, it's an experience when you don't get you don't get into um, sleep. Uh, you're really really awake and conscious of what goes on in the room and the questions that the the hypnotherapist um, asks, and it, it feels very pleasant. Um, and you know the. The therapist took me for uh, some sort of a meditation when I was going down. I think I was going down steps, and uh, she asked me to go down 10 steps. And then I found myself in a garden, and uh, there was a, a very pleasant image in the a, a middle with, um, with a rose, a rose felt uh, like a red rose. And then she took me in front of, um, front of doors. You know, the doors are a sign of your past lives. And I was curious to know about some of my past lives. I mentioned the Cathars uh, quite a bit last year. Um, They have been pretty quiet this year so far, but I'm sure they were going to come back uh, happily. And and so I was expecting, you know, when I prepared myself for the experience, I was uh, expecting, you know, some information about one or two of these lives uh, which were very meaningful to me. And um, I had a, a glimpse of, of, you know, one moment of one of the lives I had in mind. And instead, I could really picture, it was very interesting, again, I was, my eyes were closed, and I was fully conscious again, and I could picture one door, a round door. The top part of the door was round, it felt like a very old door. But in the end, uh, it wouldn't open. It's not like I was trying to force the door and break in, but it would just wouldn't open. And fine, and then uh, we, kept, so we kept walking, and um, the, the hypnotherapist took me in front of a second door, and the second door wouldn't open. And uh, I think I was getting the message that you know something is not meant to happen. And then after that, I got into a very interesting um, vision, I don't know how it happened. I mean, I took and uh, the hypnotherapist very nicely took notes, and she gave me those notes, and I completed with my own uh, my own memories of the session. But at some point, a vision came, and I saw—I don't know if I should say myself—but I saw a, a pillar, like a wooden pillar, uh, like almost a pole, you know, electric pole that you see in the streets that are holding the wires. And I saw that pole was horizontal. And um, infinite, I couldn't, maybe there were too many clouds on each side, but I couldn't see the beginning, I could see the, the end of the pole. And I think in retrospect, it's a, it's a symbol of all my life, my, my eternal life as a soul. And what really, you know, puzzled me and, and really um, intrigued me is that on top of the pole, there was an angel an angel, and I could clearly see the wings and the face, not so much the details of the face, but I could see the color white, the wings. And the angel was attached to the pole, to the pillar, and very solidly. uh, And um, there was a a rope, you know, tied up um, around his chest and the pole. So in a sense, he was holding me at his chest level. And... um, that was it. I mean, I obviously I, you know, I kept the vision within me, but it's not like I did anything with it. I didn't really ask questions. But um, somehow, you know, something. I think I believe that something got activated. And um, and the more I would ask questions. The more I would receive answers, and sometimes the answers are not, you know, what we are seeking. They go just in the opposite direction, but there would be some feedback, some um, some message, and uh, that made me wonder, you know, how I'm not a sort of a specialist. I'm, I guess, uh, a spiritual walker. <laughs> I walk my path. I've been walking my path more consciously for the past eight or nine years, and um, this kind of puzzled me. You know, if I were able to help people get in touch with their own garden angels, I would be. I would do it very happily. But it's not like there is. A, I don't think there's anything special. I know there's many people around the world that healers and psychic and they can help. But, um in my case you know it's I think it's really a question of trusting the universe and trusting one's intuition and intuition and knowing that once we ask a questions I, and I mentioned that quite a few times before on the show, once we ask a question, some entity in the universe, possibly Michael, possibly others i mean. You name them. I mean, they are your own, also your own uh, guardian angels, your own spiritual guides, your own ascended master. But there's a there's a response, and that's really what matters. And I think once we are really hundred percent convinced that there's a response, my understanding and my experience that there's a an upsurge in our own power, in our own fortitude. Whatever you call it it's like the glue is taking you know the glue is, is catching and and in my case you know the the solidity of the link of the being tied to to the angel Michael is more and more evident and present in my life and I can make you know obviously I can make use of it for for a good purpose obviously but that's that's what I really understood uh, and Again, it hasn't been a long time since, since that um, past life regression. About um, a little, um, a little over two months, it was about the twentieth of November, and um, and it's you know it's like a, a knowing again. It's something which is goes deep within, and I think the more we practice, the more we ask and receive the more that fortitude, you know, takes ground, gets planted into the soil of our lives. And that's it, what's, that's what we need, I guess. That's what we need to keep moving forward. And we need to, to touch that point in ourselves where there is knowing, where there is fortitude. It's a really important part of ourselves. It's what Lyndon calls uh, our Buddhahood, you know, the Christ consciousness, There's something which is driving us. We said, us above, so below. And there's something in our own below that is connected for sure, I can tell, with the above. And we again, we have to make good use of it. There's a conduit. There's a channel. And it's all spiritual. When I meditate sometimes, especially when I do partner meditation, I can see a pillar of light. I could see... Lisa also, I think I I got that uh, expression from her. She said when a soul, the old soul ascended, she could see a a column of light. And within that column of light, this is the conduit, um, whatever you call it. I think some people call it the silver cord as well. I think the Rosicrucians uh, call it the silver cord that links us, spiritually speaking, from our own existence on earth to the heavens. But there is a link. Uh, There is a connection. It's a very powerful one. And I think the more we make it shine, the more we use it, the more we practice that connection to whatever our higher self and then source, Uh, the more it works to our advantage and the more it works especially to humanity's advantage. You know, the more light we shine, the brighter it becomes for all of us on earth. And that's what really matters in this time, this time of change and chaos this time of energies flowing around, and uh, truly, I think we, we have to trust that the universe is on our side. Uh, whatever you call, you know, these powers, these energies up there above, that are watching us, that are waiting for us to to call upon them. And I think that's um, that's very important that we make use of that skill, that skill of a different kind of communication. I'm not saying anything new so for many of you, I'm sure, but it's, I want to reinforce that point and, and give you some examples of how it's worked or how it's been working for me in the past few weeks. And I could see, I don't know if it has anything to do with the new year, but I could see a change in the intensity of what goes on, what goes on around, around me, around us as a family, but also the intensity of what goes on within And I've been saying when I started today that, you know, it was going from wonder to wonder and a few things have been amazing. They are still too fresh for me to share them. But uh, on Sunday morning was like an out of the blue, out of my mind experience and pretty small just being in touch with a friend of mine after I posted something on Facebook. But the way it came about and what happened before I had a very strange night Saturday going into Sunday, um, for whatever reason I was feeling tired. maybe that was the the glass of wine I drank at dinner time on Saturday. but I went to bed at 7.30, 7.30 pm and I got up at one at one am. I was up and running. Um, I had enough sleep, I was feeling fresh, and then I spent the rest of the night you know typing um, messaging. Facebook a lot and also meditating and listening to the to the chant that um, I shared with you about two weeks ago, I believe, the chant from uh, Teze, uh, from the community of Teze, monastic community of Teze. And I believe that as well, activate something, activated something within me. And then the connection and the message from my friend felt so Align, that's the word I'm looking for, align, you know, very much along the lines of what, you know, might fall into my lap at some point. It has to do with my own future in the next few, I don't know, weeks or months. And it's not a predicament about what I'm going to do, but it's more like a a reinforcement, I would call it, that I'm on the right path. And again, it's too soon for me to talk about it, but... Um, Again, there's a knowing within that we need to take advantage uh, advantage of. And um uh, something in relation to that also is what I call having a nudge. A nudge in English. It's like um it's a bit of a strange word, uh, if I were to look at it, what it means in French. But it's like having a pull, it's like you know, something within which is um tickling you. Um you can't explain it. Um, you can't explain it. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting, the French word is said, un, un petit coup de coup when you're pushing your neighbor with your elbow. Or it could be as well a, a small encouragement. I, I understand that the word nudge in, in its own context in the US, that's why I learned the word. And I, I don't think um, the translation I just read uh, does justice to what it is. But it's like It's something like a bubble within, you know. It's like um, chewing gum, maybe. You make a bubble out of something, and and it's, again, there's something that is attracting you from within, and you don't quite know well. And um, I've had some of these experiences revealed, you know, uh, this past week. For whatever reason, uh, again, this nudge, I was very um, intrigued for, at least most of the fall, by a painting by um, a French painter called Nicolas Poussin. Um, I mentioned at least him and his his painting, The Shepherds of Acadia, in at least three or four shows last year, if not more. And I went to see the painting in the Louvre uh, in October. And and I don't know if it's, at at the time, I didn't know if it was something um, about the painting or something about the painter. I couldn't tell, but again, there was something in me, a part of me, a spiritual part of me, that I wanted to know more about this painting and its meaning. It's a very cryptic uh, painting. Uh, it's been painted in um, 1637 or 1638, not sure. And it was commissioned, apparently, by the king of France. It ended up in the, um, in Louis XIV um, apartments, most likely in Versailles. And, um, you know, I read about it, I couldn't find much, and after I came back from France, I I thought, you know, I saw the painting, that's good, and, um, okay, it seemed that, you know, nothing special about the painting, when I was there, I took at least four or five pictures, um, I went back at least three times to, you know, I was waiting for something to happen at the Louvre. You know, it's um, this part of the museum is not very crowded, so there were not, not that many people. So I was coming in and out of the um, exhibit, but Poussin, there's at least a good um, 15 or 20 paintings. And interestingly, about another painting uh, that has to do with Adam and Eve resonated much more with me uh, than the Shepherds of Acadia, and I was kind of, you know, wondering um, before, you know, what what is going on in this painting, and I still don't know. But what I learned this past um, Friday while I'm doing my own uh, investigation, it has to be, you know, I need to receive some information, not so much from above, but a friend of mine in Sweden at some point mentioned that I I had a life in uh, in Sweden as a priest, and. Um, I was very surprised because I I know about some of my lives but never knew about living in Sweden. And uh, I kind of investigated. Interestingly enough, it was at the beginning of the 17th century. And as it happened, I was, uh, as a Catholic priest, fairly close to the, um, the queen. There was a young queen called Christina which I think got into the, throne, into the throne at the age of 18, and then she abdicated at the age of 27 for whatever reason. One of the reasons possibly being that she was converted to Catholicism, which wasn't really kosher at the time in, in Sweden. It's uh, I don't know if it's still, but at the time it was a highly Lutheran country, Protestant country, and um, it wasn't really ac- uh, accepted. So Queen Christina abdicated, and shortly after that, she moved to Rome, I guess, to be closer to the center of Catholicism at the time. The year must have been something like 1654, 1655. And I paid attention to that. And I, you know, knowing that I was in the surrounding and uh, of Queen Christina, and I asked myself, did I also move to Rome I knew that Poussin, Nicolas Poussin, was living in Rome most of his life, and he passed in 1665. And when I asked that question, you know, I, in a sense, I had put already two and two together that there was a possible connection between me at the time and Nicolas Poussin. And uh, when I talked to Master Joel on Friday, he said, you know, I explained to him what I had learned from my friend in Sweden, and I said, did I go to Rome? And he said, yes. And did I meet with Nicolas Poussin? And he said, yes. And then we went. I went on to asking more questions about what happened. And apparently there was something very mystical uh, taking place when I met with Nicolas Poussin. And um, I can't tell what it is. It's something mystical that I may be able to experience in this life. It's not the question, but it's the question is, I have been following that nudge and that intrigue about the painter and the painting. Not knowing where it would lead me, and especially at some point, you know, putting things to rest. After seeing the painting at the Louvre, I thought, okay, that's it. Nothing happened. Maybe there's nothing about it that I need to know or nothing about the painter that is connected to who, am I, to who I am. And um, and that's it. That's the experience. But again, it reinforces in In me, this idea that there's a path, there's a path that each of us is following, and it's a very unique and personal path for each of us. And we have to be, you know, I think I mentioned early on about a year ago, this this quality as walker of the path of our spiritual curiosity. And that's what it is. You know, when you have something that stirs you up within, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be something big. What really matters is that you... You listen to it, and that you—I call it—you—you you master or you practice the skill of the the skill of resonance. And the resonance can be fairly loud sometimes. You know, resonance. You would think it's a sound, but it's not always a sound. When it's a nudge, it's more like something more subtle. You know, there's—it's like a, a spiritual blinker going on. I'm not saying it's turning left or it's turning right, but it's. Something and something you have to listen to that something you have to you have to nurture and water that something that it leads you where it's supposed to lead you because it's like a it's like a message, but it's a message without words, and I think it's extremely important that we do that to build that fortitude and to to build to be convinced that we are indeed connected to whomever we are, whomever your guardian angels are, whomever your gods are, whatever you believe in is just what you believe in, I'm not here to change your beliefs, I'm here to enhance, if I can, your practice on the path, whatever it takes, whatever encouragement I can give you is is what I want to do, and, um, and that's what I wanted to share about Nicolas Poussin especially, but... And I, again, I don't know what's going to happen next, maybe nothing. Um, Nicolas Poussin, the painting, is very much connected to Arcadia, which may very well be a land, a part of the land in the in a Cathar country. Knowing that, um, you know, um, a question that came to mind after the fact, after I talked to Master Joal, is uh, when I was living in Sweden and uh, then traveling to Rome and meeting Nicolas Poussin, was I... Was I aware of my past as a Cathar about 400 years before? And, you know, it's it's part of my investigation. It's part of the new questions forming and, and burgeoning. And that's what our practice, I think, is also all about, you know, to bringing forth new questions, new buds in a sense. Spring is almost upon us in the northern hemisphere. So maybe it's time for new and 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 very adventurous questions about our lives and where life is about to take us in this year, but also beyond. So that's the little bit I wanted to share with you um, in this segment. I think we're going to take one last break and I will be back for a few more minutes. Thank you very much for listening. It was a very, um, very interesting segment. I feel a lot of connection with you all. Thank you.
0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
1: Hello again. This is Jill. Welcome back, and um, thank you very much for listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in all of us and, and building and, and um, constructing our fortitude today, our inner fortitude. I was feeling very energized um, a few minutes ago when I talked about my experience of investigating you know, connections and following... Um, what I call the nudge, you know, what what triggered me from within to to search and investigate the way I did. And because of the outcome that I, you know, the words from Mr. Master Jwal on Friday, this really, you know, reinforced my my fortitude on the path, you know, the all these connections coming together. Uh, I used the word faisceau in French earlier on. It's like the stream of things, the stream of big and small occurrences coming together and making, in the end, so much sense and giving so much meaning to my life. It's really what I'm, you know, practicing as much as I can within my own sphere of, you know, where where I live and given my daily routine. I work from home, so it's... Uh, it's a pretty sheltered, um, professional, and obviously virtual life. Another words, I wanted to say about this kind of you know things coming from within, which is related to that concept of fortitude, is talking about the vibes and the vibes we have about people. We all have, um, you know, we meet new people. We all have good and bad vibes. I guess it's, it's part of how we process things, we tend to make judgments, but at the moment, there's a person who approached me to do a show, to come onto the show, and this person, he has been there before, he's been uh, in my environment before, and um, I keep listening to what happens. We had a, one conversation by phone. He told me a little bit about it himself, but not, not as much, and sent me some information and I'm still in the process of, you know, asking myself, in this case, there's only me who can make the decision. Uh, should I invite this person to the show at some point? And it's not like there's clear sign, there's um, impressions within me. And it's going to be either a yes or no. And... Um, until this morning it's interesting, you know, I'm sharing a bit about my process, but in this morning the the vibes were not very positive. And I was wondering, you know, why is this? What's going on? You know I even asked some um, some not some guidance, but some technical advice about how to run the show if we do it um, if we pre-record the show. And um, the answer I got. Uh, because of the fact that we want to play some music is that it's better to do it live which makes it even more you know important for me to make sure that uh, I'm inviting the right person and so I'm constantly you know um, I wouldn't say checking but um, going within and see how I feel about the person and about the show how do I envision the show and until now, it wasn't. It wasn't a green light for whatever reason. And I'm asking myself why. You know, I got a lot of credentials from this person. Why? And I, I, I still don't know. I, I'm, I'm sharing with you my. I don't know. And it's something that we also need to share with the universe. You know, with your guys. I don't know. It's not that I need an answer right away. It's. I mean, an I don't know. Kind of in between uh, period. I guess it's. It's just. The way things are, and in this case, uh, fortunately, there's no need for an answer tomorrow morning. It can wait um, for quite a bit of time. Until this morning, I went back to the email again, and this morning the idea came, and possibly because of you know this show uh, being almost you know, on the air, that maybe the timing is not right. And maybe it's a right person, but not so much the right uh, time. And it's uh, what I would call the brand new idea or brand new, you know, insight coming from within that I didn't have for the past two weeks. And I will follow that path uh, and I will keep asking within and my guides as well, you know, is it the right time or is it the right person? But, um, I wanted to let you know that the way I function and the way we, to some extent, all function that way, that when we don't know, it's important to ask. You know, like a small child, we have a five-year-old at home, and he asks quite a few questions. Some questions are just about things he doesn't understand, but he has a very curious mind. And and again... um, It's important to ask. Again, it's very important to not to be shy. At the same time, you know, it's a a delicate balance to rely on our inner fortitude, inner knowing, inner confidence, which is there. And I think the more we tap into it, the more it grows. So we have to make good use of it. We have to put it to work. And at the same time, you know, there's... (coughs) Sorry there's moments when we don't know and we have to admit that very honestly that we don't know. We don't know what the answer is. And um, in the, um, the idea also came because of the discussion I had with Lisa not so long ago that I may want to be a little more prescriptive in, you know, in some sense of giving guidance in my next few shows and uh, yesterday also, something that really burst out of my life is the idea of the theme for a show that I will be doing in two weeks, um, which is about sharpening our resonance skills. And it pretty much uh, touches upon what I discussed today, you know, the idea of, of resonance within and how does it re- resonate with at the same time. How do we confirm that with the universe, if you want? But uh, it appeared to me as a skill, and a very important skill, along these questions of vibes and nudges um, that we need to, to nurture, we need to tend to our own garden. And there's a lot of good things out there that are just waiting to flourish. Again, the spring in the northern hemisphere is not that far. And um, you may be surprised what will bubble up uh, at the end of March or in April. I was so surprised, going back to our real world, to be able to buy some daffodils in the store last um, Thursday uh, the supermarket. Um, I've never seen daffodils in, at the end of January. It was, I think, the 30th. And 31st, maybe? No, 29th, 28th. Um, Got confused. But again, you know, there's surprises. Some of them are more spiritual than others, but also Mother Nature is is there with its cycles and its rhythms. And I believe that there's a lot of that going on in our lives as well. So I wanted to thank you one more time for listening, and I wish you a a wonderful week. And I will... um, I will see you in fortitude next week. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Be sure to tune in again.